you are now locked in and listening to The Issue. This guy is a franchise quarterback, and no, I don't want to hear any pushback on that. It, it feels like a top 10 roster to me. It feels like it can win a championship. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is The Issue. It is Thursday, August 24th, and we have another episode for you today. This one is big. This one we have been waiting for. So much has happened with the show. First of all, you can tell by the shirts. It is iHeartRadio Day. We are announcing our partnership with iHeartRadio as they have signed our podcast, all the rights to our podcast, to their website, to their app. That is another place where we will be available to either listen or watch. Uh, pretty sure there's a video feature over there as well, like Spotify. Sure, yeah. So you can head over to iHeartRadio starting on September 7th to watch the show. It's going to be fantastic, a great step, and we're very happy about it here. Also, to go along with that, it's episode 200. Uh, 200th episode Feels of good. the Issue Podcast today. Uh, and also to go along with that, our very last divisional prediction. So this is our eighth division, eight weeks in a row, leading up to the NFL season to bring you every single team's predicted record, what we think will end up shaking out in the NFL, just our big sweeping blanket predictions. Of course, we'll have two weeks after that before the season starts, so that's where we're going to do maybe some corrections, right? Maybe we have one or two corrections on some divisions. We've done that in the past. So You know, you, you do the NFC West. We did that eight weeks ago. That That's a long time ago. So a lot right. of stuff has happened right, so in think, those teams. So next week we'll do our we'll – full playoff prediction yeah. but we'll also do a couple revisions if yes. we you know deem it necessary yeah. which there's a couple that i've thought about um but it does feel good 200 you know congratulations to us it's been nice thank you all for for listening watching however you guys have been supporting us we appreciate it go check out the shop you can support us there with with some merchandise and everything um and there's there's going to be some more big show news to come yeah i can't wait for that it's going to be i think probably next week we'll be able to announce that one there's just so much stuff coming out right now with the show and everything that we're doing so make sure you're following the social medias everything all the links the issue but for today's show sorry it's a little bit of a delayed intro here um we're gonna start the show with tim's rant this time on the Steelers, I mean, there's just they've been all over the news. Uh, the offense seems to actually be good. We're going to talk about that. Uh, hits and misses to round out the first segment and then into the second, as I mentioned, last week of divisional predictions, AFC East. So now we get, you know, it, this is going to be a good one. I, I love Josh Allen and the Bills, the, the Patriots, the Dolphins. It's a very interesting division, the Jets. It's a good one um, to have last because there's there's a lot of questions. To right. his health, you know, right. we've Jets had a lot offensive of time. line. So. We've had a lot of time to kind of review everything that's coming out. And then AFC East superlatives to finish up the second segment. Into the third, we will have the news and a little bit of a discussion on Baker Mayfield. In Tampa Bay, he was just named the starter on Tuesday morning. So we're going to talk about that, kind of what we see in Tampa. But as Tim said earlier, guys, thank you for being here and watching or listening today. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon Prime Video, Amazon Music, um, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and soon to be iHeartRadio. Yeah, we love it. And we said coming out, Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, kind of getting the Steelers here, is going to be a, a highly NFL-ready quarterback, right? Played, what, four, four or five seasons in the same stadium, same practice facility with Pitt, same city, right? 
Um, not a lot less of an adjustment for him. A lot of experience in the starts, experience with the city. You know, he 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 kind of gets it very mature, right? He's going to be able to compete fairly quickly in this league. And we know that having a guy on a rookie deal is super helpful to, to be able to build that roster. Like San Francisco has been trying to, you know, build that roster around not quarterback-centric, right? Not paying the quarterback a ton. Now Brock Purdy, seventh-round quarterback contract, paying him essentially nothing. Trey Lance, even though he was first round, still not making a ton, you know, as a quarterback room in general, right? So, but now the question is, how competitive can Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett be in the loaded AFC, right? We know if he's in the NFC, there's an argument he's the the fourth best quarterback, right? You got Hurts, Cousins, Dak, like, where, where would you go from there? I mean, if Stafford's healthy, maybe that would put Kenny at what, five, but like Kenny, Kenny would be a top five quarterback in the NFC. Uh, But, but in the AFC, it's a lot different, right? So, I'm trying to, like, what's the precedent for where the Steelers are at right now? Like, going back in history, recent history, of course. I'm not going back to, like, the 80s. The game has changed so much. Uh, what's the recent precedent for a team like Pittsburgh, and, and, and what, what's their ceiling look like? Really? So think back to Jared Goff. Um, that year, 2018-2019, when the Rams, you know, got to the Super Bowl. Of course, they lose to the Patriots, but a very good season nonetheless. Um, and so think back to that 2018-2019. Yes, Mahomes was the MVP in the AFC, right? Brady was obviously a stud. But actually reverse to right now, the NFC was a lot stronger in terms of depth with quarterbacks, right? Russ was still playing at an MVP level. Aaron was ranked second in the league uh, in terms of most of the metrics that you look at, like PFF, for example, has met second or third, I think. Uh, Matt Ryan was highly capable. Carson Wentz was a year removed from getting MVP votes. Um, Dak was super viable, right? Drew Brees still had Sean, you know, the Sean Payton, Drew Brees thing was still going. Drew was playing really well. Yet Jared Goff, who's somewhere between the 6th, 7th, maybe 8th best quarterback in the NFC at the time, on a rookie deal on a stacked roster, came out of the NFC. No, I'm not saying the Steelers are on that same level. I don't think they have the high-end talent. Right? Gurley was a, an MVP-level running back, which almost never happens. Yeah, Cooper Cup wasn't quite as good as he was you know, last year with, or two years ago with Stafford, but he was still really, really good. Um, you know, Very good offensive line, but I, I, I think there are a lot of similarities, right? Rookie deal quarterback. Really, really nice defense. Like TJ Watt, Aaron Donald, right? Not a ton of secondary help. They didn't have Jalen Ramsey at the time, right? But a lot of really high-end talent, especially in the front seven, much like Pittsburgh does secondary as a weakness. Good skill guys. Pretty young, right? Like I said, Cooper Cup was young. Todd Gurley, you know, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks. Outside of, the, outside of Andrew Whitworth on the offensive line, the offensive line was pretty young. Um, and then Goff was, what, the sixth or seventh best quarterback in the NFC. Rodgers, Russ, Matt Ryan, Dak, Cousins, and then probably Wentz. I'd put him at about seven. You could argue sixth. Um, So now look at where Kenny Pickett lands in the AFC. And let's just look at his six games that he started and finished, right? The the last six games. Um, Because he was a rookie, he was kind of getting it under his belt. Matt Canada wasn't very good. It was back and forth with Trubisky early in the season, right? Like, his last six games, how did he finish the year, right? So he was hurt against the Ravens, inactive against the Panthers, still hurt. Um, so, obviously, take those out. He's just five touchdowns to one pick, 207 yards a game, 60% completion, 86 pass rating, went about 5-1. and one. Or went exactly 5-1, and one, I guess. Not not great completion percentage. You'd like to have that up. Good touchdowns to pick. First of all, also, fourth quarter, fantastic. Two game-winning drives. I'm not saying that he's a world beater. But where would that rank in the AFC? I think you would, you know, there's the obvious ones. Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow. 
Allen, Rodgers, and I would say Trevor Lawrence. Those are like the, no doubt about it, they're significantly better than Kenny Pickett. But then you look, who's next? Tua? Nope, can't stay healthy. Lamar? He's played one game in December and January the past two years combined. One game, two months. That's 16 games he's played one. One. I think it ends up shaking out to like 15. One of them was a bye, but you get the point. You get the point. Kenny played his best in December and January. Interesting how that works, right? Deshaun Watson? Eh. We'll see. Can he even make it back from what, missing a year and a half? My point is that you can argue that Kenny Pickett, you know, anywhere between the 6th, 7th, 8th best. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Anywhere between 6 and 8, probably in the NFC. Or um, AFC, I'm sorry. My point being, he's clearly a Tier 2 guy in the AFC, just like Goff was that year. I think there are some similarities. Both throw a pretty nice deep ball. Neither are super dynamic with their legs, but can still move, throw on the run really well. Both very NFL-ready type guys with a really nice roster. I think it's within reason for the Steelers to kind of fly a little bit under the radar. They're not going to have a spectacular 13-4 year. They're not going to be world beaters. Can they be 10-7, and seven, kind of fly under the radar, sneak in as the 7th seed, and win a playoff game? I think that's certainly on the table. I think the Rams had much higher expectations. I think they were better. I think the NFC team-wise was weaker. Quarterbacks a little bit better, but team-wise was weaker. So the Rams were able to do a little bit more. But I do think the Steelers can fly under the radar a little bit, win a playoff game, maybe two, make some noise. I think that's absolutely on the table. And I think the precedent is the Rams. And I think there's a lot of similarities there. And I think it's something that is very, very possible for the Steelers. And I don't want to say I'm being overly optimistic, right? Some people are like, oh, the Steelers are going to Super Bowl. But I think that's realistic with a touch of optimism, right? Like, I think anybody that's saying, oh, the Steelers can win the Super Bowl, you're kind of setting yourself up for, you know, disappointment, right? Second-year guy, offensive line still kind of in the works. You know, we're not thrilled about the offensive coordinator. So I think if they can win a playoff game, get in, win a playoff game, that is a huge success for this young second-year quarterback and a young core, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson. Those are still young guys. If they can get there and win a game, make some noise, that is a huge win for the Steelers. And I think it's absolutely on the table. I think I would argue it's my prediction for them to get in as, as a seven and make a ton of noise in the playoffs. Yeah, I like that. Um, Steelers fans definitely have a lot to look forward to this season. I, I feel already better at this point going into this year than last year. Right? I think it says something to to know who your starter is preseason. Where there's no quarterback battle, you're, you know, who's starting? Is it going to be Trubisky? Is it going to be somehow Mason Rudolph? Is Kenny Pickett going to get this stuff, right? So I feel like it's better to at least have that clear cut. You know the direction you're going. Now, I don't want to speak too heavy into the preseason games because at the end of the day, it is preseason. But for the most part, your number ones are playing their number ones for the first drive to two drives. And, and they've of, looked good. Out of Kenny Pickett's three NFL drives that he's had so far, or three preseason drives this year, he scored three touchdowns. Right. Like they, they've, and they, he's looked really, I think he's got like four incompletions. Like and he's looked really good. I think, yes, I don't think Matt Cannon is the guy, and this is possibly a conversation for later down the road. But I think if you can find the one quarterback that fits with that system, that fits Matt Canada's system, yeah. I think they can actually be good. And we've seen him execute those plays pretty well so far. And I think Kenny Pickett might be one of the only guys that can work in a Matt Canada play calling system. It's going to be something to watch, but it's so far. And either the weapons are good. Kenny looks good. I, he's making really tough throws, too. Yeah, it's I, not I, like he's making cakewalk throws. I would agree. It's a lot like the Jets where... I think it all hinges on the offensive line. 
if we, if they can run the football a little bit. Yeah. Because I think they'll be able to keep Kenny upright. Like, it's, it's a lot of quick throws. They'll be able to keep him upright. He can move good enough. I don't think the pass blocking is an issue. If you can run the football, if they can move bodies to run the football, I think they'll be pretty successful. I think so, too. All right, guys. It's that time. Hits and misses. Let's go. All right, number one. We've said the running back market, it's bad, but there's nothing you could do about it, right? This is the CBA that was agreed upon, and it's an open market. You're paid what somebody's willing, that you're worth is what somebody's willing to pay you. I'm sorry, but that's, that's, that's the reality of almost every job in America. It's like, I'm a project manager. Okay, well, there's, yes, there's a scale, you know, there's a general, you know, pretty consensus, like, Like you're not going to see somebody, hey, intro, you know, entry level project manager. 1.5 1.5 mil, right? There's like yeah. a, there's probably a scale, you know, I don't know, 50, 50,000 to experienced end, 150, whatever. Yeah. But it's like, that's what the market says you're worth. If PNC Bank or somebody's willing to pay you $70,000 a year, that's what you're worth. Like, that's just how it works in the real world, especially when in the NFL, you're kind of like a private contractor, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're, hey, I can do this roof for this much. Okay, well, if somebody's willing to pay me that, then boom, I have the job. That's what I'm getting paid. Right, right. Like Jonathan Taylor's now on the on the block, and we saw Dalvin Cook, who was kind of on the open market. He got what eight point six in in incentives. It was like seven guaranteed. That's what he's worth. Sorry, that's what somebody's willing to pay you. So now it's like, what is Jonathan Taylor worth? We're gonna find out. I'm very interested to see. Yeah, I'm surprised that the Colts let him walk though. You know? Well, not let him. I mean, they're giving him permission to seek a trade. That yes, doesn't mean it's going to work out because they're looking for at least a first and a couple more picks along with it. Who's giving up a first and say who's giving up a first, third and a fifth for that? Right. And for that for the value of a Jonathan I get it. I'm just I think the Colts success with Anthony Richardson hinges on having a great running game. So I would if I were them, I would be doing everything I possibly could to keep him in the building. And I'm not saying overpay but at least keep them happy so that you have something else so that Anthony Richardson isn't dropping back 50 to 60 times a game. Okay, so I, I disagree, actually, because who who were his comps, right? Josh Allen, Cam Newton. I think those are two comps that are realistic. Cam Newton was a little bit more NFL-ready um, coming out of Florida. He was, you know, went to junior college. Or, sorry, went to Florida, junior college, then Auburn, right? Yeah. Uh, he was a little bit more ready to go. Uh, more experienced Josh Allen, on the other hand, wasn't. So I think that's a fairly good comp for Anthony Richardson. Neither of them had dynamic running games because they themselves are dynamic running the football. Right? Like Josh Allen's never had a dynamic back. Cam Newton had what Jonathan Stewart and Angela Williams. They're yeah. dynamic, right? Like I don't think a highly dynamic running quarterback needs a bell cow back. Now, what if they can flip Jonathan Taylor for, you know, a second round pick and maybe like a, a backup running back to, to kind of support the running back room a little bit. I think that would make sense. Yeah. I don't think you need a bell cow. That's where I would push back. But I do think it's interesting that young quarterback, you'd like to have a good run game to take some off his shoulders. I do. I do see your argument. Yeah. Yeah. I think it leads to success quicker. Cause I mean, we saw Josh Allen's first year I and mean, it wasn't pretty. Right. Um, even in the second year, he didn't really get rolling till his third. Yeah. Um, so I think, just having that stable running game, though, is going to be... It would boost how he looks in the short term. I don't think you're crazy. All right, Mr. Number One here. I didn't think Baker would get another chance yeah. uh, after Carolina. Maybe, I would argue, I argued after Cleveland, right? Because he had such a good roster. Yeah. Coach of the year, Stefanski. At the time, he was coach of the year. Um, if you can't make it work there, then, like, what other teams are going to take a shot? Right? That's the that's kind of the same argument with Trey Lance. It's like, if yeah. Kyle Shanahan couldn't figure you out... Who's gonna? And that right? offense, so, all those pieces. Right. Same thing with Baker. It's like with all those pieces in Cleveland, like how are you gonna like who's gonna take you in and say, <laughs> We have a 
better situation than that. Yeah. Evidently, Carolina did. They didn't like him. They move him. So I, I thought that would probably be his last shot. Well, he's been announced as the starter in Tampa. We'll see. I don't have super high hopes, but I do think the roster is better than some people will lead on. Right? I like the wide receivers a lot. Uh, offensive line, if Ryan Jensen's healthy, which he won't be for the start of the season, but could be going down uh, down the line here, week three, four, five. Um, it's not as bad as the roster, so we'll see. I think he's going to get a fair shake here. You got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Make it work. Figure it out, dude. No, Figure you, it out. Now, if you can't, it's over. Like this is. I would agree. I, I I do think this is this probably is the last. This is your stop. last stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So if you can't make it work, I don't know what to tell you. Also, we'll talk more about it later because we have a discussion with him coming up at the end of the show. Um. But just the amount of bitching that I hear come out of Baker. Like, so much. Even in camp, there's clips. And I'm not saying it's a big deal, right? But, like, there's clips of him. Oh, it's so hot today. Oh, my God. I'm, over, I'm, I'm dying out here. Really? That's interesting. I, I, don't hear, I don't hear Trevor Lawrence, who's in Jacksonville in about the same weather as you in Tampa, say complaining about the heat. Just, just bitching all the time. Talk about football. Work with your players. We get to the podium like, and calls out his medical stuff. Like stop. Like just stop. Just be an NFL athlete, please. We yeah. know it's hot. It's Tampa Bay in July. It's hot. Yeah. We get it. Yeah, I'm not saying it's 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 definitely an adjustment period, but dude, you've been there for how many months now? Yeah, know? and you don't you've hear been there all summer. You never heard Tom Brady in New England in, in December. It's freezing cold. I mean, I can I can barely hold the ball. Practice. Shut up. I would agree. Uh, hit number two here. Dylan Cruz already in double A. You know, the Nationals draft pick. What was that, number three overall? Two overall, something like that. Yeah. Uh, already in double A. We knew he'd be good. I actually said, when when it was kind of up in the air, do the, do the, the Pirates draft Dylan Cruz, I said, I think it's logical that he could be up this year at the latest to the start of next year. Yeah. Like, and I said, if I drafted him, I'd send him right to double A. You know, and, and basically they could have. He tore it up, hit like 400 in rookie ball and then high A. So it's like you could have sent him right to double A. Like we called it. He's going to come in and be a stud, at least in the lower levels of, you know, the minor leagues. I expect him to get to double A. I mean, so the Nationals aren't vying for the playoffs, right? If they were, you could argue bring him up as, as soon as possible. Yeah. Say he gets a month in double A, I'll bet he hits at least 350. Like he's a stud. He's a stud. Is this not Washington trying to replace Bryce Harper? The whole legend of Bryce Harper coming or up so Juan early. Soto. You, play, yeah, you, you replace both. Harper with Soto, and, and then you, you try to Soto with Dylan Cruz. Dude, that's actually kind of impressive if you, you look back at the resume of the, them drafting. Well, could you imagine if you still had them? You have Soto, Harper, and then Cruz up to start, that's, up to start next that year. That might be the best outfield of all time in MLB history. If Cruz ended up being even 75% of what we think he could be. Yeah. That would be the... You're right. That's insane. It'd be, you know... Yeah, maybe up there. We'd have to see what he would be at the at the major league insanity level. Insanity is what that would be. Uh, Mr. Matura, I know it's just preseason, but I did not expect Sam Howell to look this good. Sam Howell has looked good for for Washington. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, we'll see. It's preseason. I don't put a ton of weight on it. But the Ravens do play. They don't have a ton of bona fide studs on the defense. So they're playing starters and guys that are vying for those starter roles, right? So they're playing some decently high-level guys. And he looked really good. Yeah. He had like 140-something pass rating. Like, that's really good for how I kind of viewed him as more of a not-quite-as-accurate Baker. Like, he's a little bit stockier, not quite as mobile as you think he would be mm-hmm. as he looked in college. Um, good arm, not special. That's kind of how I viewed him. But he's looked really good so far, been able to kind of scramble, extend plays uh, better than I thought. So good for Sam Howell. We'll see. I'm not sure, but uh, definitely went above what I expected him to do in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like we talked about earlier, I mean, you you can't talk about Kenny Pickett looking good 
in preseason and then turn around and be like, oh, well, it doesn't matter that Sam Howell looked good in preseason. It definitely matters a little bit, it especially with somebody does. who's never started. But started for, like one game. For both of them, I'm just going to say complete, completely fair, completely honest. Preseason is nothing like the regular season NFL. No. Not even close. No. Um, so, I mean, th- this is good. This is positive signs in Washington, I guess. But, like, let's temper expectations still. Yeah. Let's not go above and beyond with these crazy predictions. Yeah. Uh, hit number three here. I've said this before about offensive linemen. Um, when you come into the league, within by year two, you should be able to play, right? I'm not saying that there's not a lot of cerebral stuff that goes into playing offensive linemen, but at the end of the day, you can block somebody or you can't. You know what I mean? You either have what it takes to, to be a tackle or you just don't. Like, it's quarterback, like, there's a lot of mental growth. There's a lot of pre-snap, post-snap. Like, there's a ton of growth that can happen in the NFL level. Offensive linemen, like, yes, you know, there's some schemes, there's some adjustment to the level of play, but it's like, you can either block the guy across from you or you can't. Yeah. And I said Makai Becton by year two, he was a bust. Like, I don't I don't see it. And now he can't even start at right tackle. I mean, his coach flat out said, we don't trust him to play a full game. You think that's kind of important in the NFL? Yeah. To play bit. a full damn game? Like, you have to play he's, seven, a, he's you, a bust. Move off him. That's gotta, it. You got to play 17 full games. Like, <laughs> he, he's a bust. That's it. I don't I don't get it. I don't... I. Look, my argument is if you can, if you're quarterback, right, and you get traded in the middle of the season and you can go to a new organization, learn the playbook, learn the schemes, learn the offensive coordinator, learn the, your, your head coach, everything that goes into being a quarterback, which is a ton. A ton. And we know by far the most demanding, like mental 100%. aspect position on the field. If they can do that in like two weeks and pick up a playbook in two weeks, wow, I think. Will. Within an off season, an offensive lineman should be able to learn blocking schemes and just different How about pass protection. This is his. Th- he's going into his third year. This is your third off season. Exactly. Like we got to see some growth here. You're you're coming out of game seven snaps in because the turf wasn't right. Right, dude. I'm sorry. You play on turf like nine times this year. You got to figure it out. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't get it at all. Makes sense. Uh, Miss number three. Kind of breezed by this one. This, this is an embarrassing one for me here. Around this time last year, I was highly critical of Jalen Hurts, uh, saying that I think Minshew will start by, I think, like <laughs> week seven. Yeah. Um, I just didn't think he had what it took from the pocket. He definitely proved me wrong. That's my bad. I mean, he is a stud, great leader. I, I don't think I took into account how much growth um, is capable when somebody's that committed, that dedicated, that good of a leader. Um, so good for Jalen Hurts. My bad. You know, he's, he's definitely a top seven quarterback I would say going into this year some may have him as high as top three I think that's a little crazy but still he's a stud bona fide franchise quarterback Um, definitely has my support there's a lot to like about Jalen Hurts yeah we were definitely wrong there but I mean hey at the end of the day he did have a breakout season yeah he did you know yeah Yeah, I needed to see it and I did so now I switched new information new opinion right kind of how it goes kind of just evolve the opinion here that's how we do it on this show always keeping you up to date with the accurate information and takes and we will admit when we are wrong you know we're not going to sit up here and act like every week. you know it's, it's tough to find the misses sometimes i will say that i'm just going to be completely honest tough to find the misses it's tough. um but guys stick around on the other side of the break last divisional predictions of the preseason we are pumped afc east coming up next all right we're back thursday the 24th last we know I'm sorry, is there 31 days in August? I don't yes, even know. Are. Doesn't matter, but we're almost to September. That's the important thing. Football starts September 7th. 
the 10th for most teams. Seventh is the first regular season game that Thursday. Very excited. We are rapidly approaching. We have our last divisional prediction here with the AFC East. This segment, we'll get to that in just a minute. You'll notice we're in different shirts. If you watch the first segment, we had our iHeartRadio shirts on. Yep. We had to let you guys know we are shortly uh, going to be accessible on iHeartRadio. I think the seventh is actually the very first yep. episode uh, in which we will be accessible on iHeartRadio. So, awesome uh, it's been it's been you know we've been waiting for it we've been hoping for it so it's finally finally here it's been nice um we really appreciate all the support guys but yeah thank you guys for watching listening however you're doing it youtube spotify whatever the case may be you know all the other platforms go follow the uh, the social medias they're in every link every description you'll be able to find it trust me no worries uh, but again we appreciate that support on all the platforms absolutely and that iheart thing has been coming down the line for a while we had to stay quiet about it and uh you know, it was something we were working towards, so it feels good to be there. Also feels good now, right? We have the last divisional prediction to do. This is the lead-up to the NFL season. The anticipation that just builds and builds each week is, as you get closer and closer. We are two, like about two weeks out now, uh, and it's going to be phenomenal. So, without further ado, the last divisional prediction, the AFC East. Here we go. All right, so if you guys are new here, we always start at the bottom and work towards the top. So I think in fourth place is the New England Patriots. Now, I do. there are a lot of things to like, right? Especially things that we know aren't flashy but win in the NFL. Good run game, very good offensive line, uh, experienced coaching staff from Bill Belichick to the defensive side of the football, and now they bring in Bill O'Brien, who's very experienced, right? So uh, good pass rush, stable secondary. Like, these are a lot of things that help win, you know, quarterback who... Yes, there are still some questions on his ceiling, but is highly capable. We saw that in his rookie year when he had a good offensive coordinator. He now, again, does. So there's no reason to believe that he won't be at least competent. Uh, the issue is that the division can kind of cannibalize itself a little bit, right? Like, you go through their schedule, there's not a lot of areas to get wins. And you'll see the wins that you, that you can pick out are the ones where they play a weak quarterback, right? Like, I don't see them with the lack of firepower on offense to be able to go compete against the better quarterbacks they're just not going to be able to compete on the scoreboard right like in the trenches i think they'll be fine it's can they keep up basically like when yeah. they play a, a burrow an allen a lawrence right can they keep up well, even a Tua I, in Miami. I don't think so yeah you're right Tua, and the dolphins play them well over the last you know half decade or so uh, so yeah, the Patriots eight and nine. I mean, you could argue me in a nine and eight, yeah, but honestly. but there's not a lot of wins um, in terms of double digit. Like they, I don't, I don't foresee them getting double digit wins. I do think they miss the playoffs, but they'll be competitive almost the entire season. Mm-hmm. I think Bill nabs them a couple wins, uh, just him alone, right? Like, yeah, we were talking about like that Daniel Jones game, yeah, for example. We're, we're going through the schedule, there's just some games where you, you pause and you're thinking, you know, this is just a this is a game where Bill Belichick comes in and just schemes the right. other the other team just straight to the ground. So there's a, there's a stretch here where they have Sam Howell in New England, uh, Anthony Richardson comes to New England, and then you go to Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. Like, those three quarterbacks, I'm sorry, you just don't have a shot. No, that's going to be a really close You just don't have a shot. Give you a little insight on the betting, a little way too early bets for those guys. Yeah, yeah I'm taking the under. <laughs> I feel like Yeah, I think the under would be a safe bet. Little points scored. Uh, especially against that Bill Belichick team. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to be good, but they are in a very, very good division, and this division keeps getting better. 
Yeah, I would agree. Uh, the New York Jets in third. Now, this might piss some people off, but I think 10 and <laughs> 7. It will. It, that might be the ceiling. I mean, look at the first six weeks. It's brutal. Of the New York Jets it's schedule. brutal. So you get the Bills, Vaughn Miller, yep. Greg Russo, mm-hmm. the depth of that uh, defensive line. Then you go to the Cowboys, Micah Parsons. I think they were like second in sacks last year. Uh, then you have the Patriots, which we'll talk about Josh Uche in a little bit, and that pass <laughs> rush. Studs, the Chiefs were second in sacks last year. Then the Broncos, who, yes, they traded Bradley but they still have a very, very good, deep defensive line. Yeah. Uh, and then you have Philadelphia. You have the Giants. That's their strength. Then you have the Chargers. That's Khalil Mack and, and uh, Joey Bosa. Like, there is not... And then you go to Max Crosby and uh, and Chandler Jones. And then you go to the Bills again. Like, there is not a lot of reprieve for that offensive line, who we know that's the weakness. Like, yeah. So their first six weeks, if they can make it out, you could argue their first eight weeks are tough. If they can make it out three and five, which I think is about where we have them, They'll be fine. They'll be able to finish with about ten wins because the you know later in the season it, it gets pretty easy. It lightens right? like, up a little bit. You got the Falcons, the Texans, the Commanders, right, the, the Browns. The Chiefs like, are snuck in there too, though. The Chiefs are in early, though. The Chiefs are early. Okay. Right. So down the stretch, they'll be able to crack off some wins. I do think Aaron Rodgers is going to be very good. The question is, can they bail water until the last half of the season? Can they make it through the first eight weeks, three and five? If they can, I do think they'll finish ten and seven. But that's a huge if with that offensive line. I don't have a ton of faith in this team. I'm going to be honest with you. I think they'll maybe get the seventh, you know, seventh seed. Uh, I don't view them as a playoff winning caliber team, right? If you look, yes, we know the AFC is loaded with top quarterbacks. It's also loaded with top pass rushes, right? And so whenever you get in, if they get in as the seven, who are they going to play? The number two seed, probably the Bills. Or Cincinnati, yeah. Like those defenses get after you. Yep. Like that's not going to work for them. So no. ten and seven, I think they're out in the first round if they even make the playoffs. It's going to be interesting. I like I, I want to give them more credit because Aaron Rodgers is a really really good quarterback, and we yeah. know that coming into the season. But we've never seen Aaron with a horrible O line like this. No, he's always had at least a top fifteen. And like O-line. we said, we said this last week. Aaron Rodgers is aging. Okay, he's aging. Yeah. As you age, you are going to become more injury prone. If you are getting hit for, I, I guess I would say the most in your career up until this point. Oh, one hundred. It'll especially be two, it'll the, be two years worth of hits. On. Especially it'll be, early on. It'll be two years worth of hits. This is going to be like hell week starting out for the Jets. I mean, I would agree. It starts with a bang and it just does not Eight ease weeks up. of hell week. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's going to be brutal. I think 10 and 7 is being honestly very optimistic. Uh, some may disagree. Most of Jet fans, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, Miami in second place. I think 11 and 6 feels about right. Look, it all depends on Tua's health. Can he stay upright? I mean, for the sake of, you know, discussion in terms of predictions, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to predict the kid to get hurt, mm-hmm. right? Like, I do think he'll stay upright most of the year. Maybe he misses a game or two. That's about fine. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, probably the best wide receiver duo in the league. I think A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith have an argument, um, but I would take Miami's uh, duo. The run game with like a Kyle Shanahan-type system with Mike McDaniel is going to be good. Uh, offensive line is weak, but getting better. Defense is going to be good. Vic Fangio, I think, is a steal at defensive coordinator. Um, they got, what, Bradley Chubb off the edge. Ramsey can hopefully come back sometime before week, like, eight. Uh, and if he does, I think they'll win a lot of football games. I think 11-6, and six, depending on Tua's health. Yeah, um, th- that's what it all hinges on. And I think they have the pieces there. Everything is set up. They can really compete in this division. And them being a number two in this division is actually, like, it comes with some praise. That's pretty good, yeah. It's pretty good. Um, he, 
they're going to be competitive. They're going to really battle it out with a lot of tough teams, but it's just all hinging on Tua's health, and I'm just not sure how much faith I can put into that. Of course, we're not going to predict him to be injured. Right. But I would say you have to look at the odds. You have to look at and, look at and examine the trends, and what we've seen so far doesn't look great. But if he can, if he can, this is going to be a good team. Is this the biggest boomer bust team? If two is healthy, am I crazy to say thirteen and four and and in the top five? Well, I mean, they league? do have a tough they have a tough schedule too, and they actually catch the short end of the stick, unlike the Jets, because the Jets get Kansas City at home, they get the Chargers at home. Those are games. Where Miami's traveling. So you, Miami's so you, going to LA. You look at, they go to the Chargers. They're going to Kansas and they City. They're going to Arrowhead. They're going to Arrowhead. They go to Philly. And, and am I wrong? Um, they, get the, they get the Ravens at the end of the year, too. They have to go to the Ravens at the end of the so, year. They, I mean, have like, the, they have the Cowboys late in the season. Uh, the Titans are always well coached. They're late in the season. No, they, they definitely have a tough schedule. By no means is this But a when two is healthy, he's a top three quarterback in football statistically. Yeah. I don't I don't think he is, but statistically he was for the first eight weeks last year. This is going to be – I did. If he's healthy, I think the, the, the ceiling for them is AFC Championship game. The floor is a six-win football. Is this the most interesting team in the NFL right now? It's the biggest boomer bust team. I think they have the largest disparity between their ceiling and their floor. That's fair. I think it's fair. Uh, I think Buffalo also finishes eleven and six. We'll give them a slight edge. We have them at five and one in the division. Uh, the Dolphins at at four and two. Um, and also, I just think there's more I can rely on. Right? Like they they are going to take a step back. I think the Stephon Diggs thing. I don't think it's everything, but it's something to keep your eye on. Like they, that animosity. It's something. Noise uh, is never we, good. So yeah, and we saw the turnovers go up with Josh Allen. I don't expect him to go back to Brian Dayball level. I do expect him to minimize the turnovers, but I don't think he returns to absolute no doubt about it. Second best quarterback in football, like he was with Dable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the run game's still not there. Offensive line's still not there. I do worry about the secondary in terms of their health. They get banged up a lot. Tredavious White, Micah Hyde, right? Like those guys in the secondary get banged up a lot. Um, but there is more I can count on. Josh Allen. Stable, stable head coach, right? Like they do have pieces that I've seen. I've seen it before. I've seen them win at a high level before. Miami, I haven't. So that's why I think they do get the slight edge, and they're, they're going to be better, a little bit better in division. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Buffalo at number one. You could argue me to twelve and five. We were kind of back and forth. Um, I do think they take a slight step back, which lands them at eleven and six. But twelve and five certainly on the table for this football team. Well, I think one of the biggest things. I mean, like when you have the best quarterback in the division. It's really, it's really hard to move you out of that spot. Now, I was thinking, like, just logically. I mean, you can go through the wins and losses, but just logically, do you see Josh Allen losing more games than Tua? I don't. Yeah. At the end I, of the day, I, quarterback play is a great way to predict this. And, I mean, it's Josh Allen. It's fair. I, I know he's not going to be the same level quarterback that he was with Dayball. I, now, I get that. I will say their schedule is tough, right? They're, they're three... I would argue their four toughest games are all on the road. They go to Cincinnati, they go to Arrowhead, they go to Philly, and they go to the Chargers for the last game of the year. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, third to last game of the year. Like that's. I mean, this divi- those are their four toughest games. This in, this entire division has and, a tough schedule. And the Jags are going to be a tough game. Yeah. You oh oh they get them at home. No, they actually they're in Germany. So it's like they don't have a lot of good games at home. Like some of the games that you're like oh hopefully that's you know in Buffalo and it's snowing. They're on the road. Yeah. So not ideal. Uh, to run back through that, we have Buffalo at number one, Miami at two, the Jets at three, and the Patriots in the basement lacking uh, the offensive firepower to keep up. Yeah. 
it's a it's gonna be a damn good division and that is the last of our divisional predictions for the season feels good it was an enjoyable time one of our favorite times of the year to do those predictions absolutely it's always a packed eight weeks feels good to be done because i know we're getting closer to the nfl but we still have one thing left to do for this division and that would be the superlative so we're going to give you the mvp offensive player of the year defensive player of the year breakout player and coach of the division of the afc east all right mvp uh, i think this one's fairly consensus josh allen i i mean even despite uh, some of the regressions and turnovers last year. He still is a top five quarterback league wide. You can't deny that. Um, talent, he's might be number one. I mean, he's just a, he's very physically gifted, and and uh, in terms of value, he checks all the boxes. Right, he accounts for like forty percent of the running game. Yeah, uh, and obviously, you know, he is their entire pass game pretty much. So. Uh, yeah, in terms of value, it's not it's not really all that close. Now you could argue like Tua because if he's upright, that's a 11-12 win team. If he's hurt, that's a five-six win team. So, but I do think the same thing could be said for Josh Allen, and that's kind of how you countered. You're like, yeah. but dude, but Josh Allen, yeah, like the I mean, run game, you know, all that. So. Think about it. Like, what are the Bills without Josh Allen? Not what very good. I mean, he accounts for almost all of their offensive production. He's usually their leading rusher. Obviously, Obviously the leading, the leading passer. passer. And I mean, he Leader, right. Yeah. He has all the qualities that you need. Um, yeah, two is very valuable. This is this is a division where I think there are two teams that are very quarterback dependent. But I think the well, Bills are more dependent on Josh Allen. See, now that's where I would, I'd push back that, they're, that the, the Dolphins are actually the opposite of quarterback dependent. They're just, it's, very, it's a very quarterback friendly system, but it's significantly better with Tua in there. That's why I would give the nod for value to Josh Allen because I do think Tua has helped out a lot by Mike McDaniel's genius system. Yeah. All right, offensive player of the year, uh, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, Ty- I, I mean, he said, you know, I'm looking for 2,000 yards this year. I don't think 2,000's um, viable because I do think they're going to have a very strong run game to kind of take the pressure off Tua and, and lessen his dropbacks, right? You play with fire too much, you're going to get burned. Yeah. Uh, lessen his dropbacks so you don't – so you lessen the amount of times he can get hit. Uh, and then also with Jalen Waddle, right? You have a dynamic guy across from you. He's going to take a couple hundred yards away from you just naturally. So I don't think 2,000 is uh, possible for Tyreek Hill, but 1,800 for sure. Like yeah. I, I think he's going to be a stud. He'll probably lead the league in yards. Um, he'll be up there in touchdowns. Like he will be a top three statistical wide receiver in football. So yeah, uh, 2,000, no, but offensive player of the year for this division, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the weapons there are undeniable. Uh, and Tyreek Hill is, I mean, come on, the best of the best. He's the fastest person in the NFL. Yeah. That's going to give you a huge advantage, mm-hmm. uh, especially when your job is to outrun other individuals and you are the fastest. Um, on the planet, basically, yeah. Yeah, so him and offensive player. I, I can't think of anybody else. Jalen Waddle's close. I mean, he's a very good receiver. It's going to be a good duo, for sure. It's, it's going to help that you can't double Tyreek as much. You know? I think at times Jalen Waddle plays like a one, though, too, so that's going to really complement Tyreek's game. I would agree. Uh, one of the th- reasons he won't get 2,000 is because of our defensive player of the year, Sauce Gardner, right? So you have two matchups if you're Tyreek Hill against Sauce Gardner. An absolute ball hawk. He is insane. Locked down. Um, there's an argument for him being the best corner in the league already uh, after his rookie year. Going into year two, I don't think that's going to change. I think he probably is the best corner in football. Yep. Um, he, he might not have the intercep- uh, interception numbers as like a Jalen Ramsey, uh, you know, Pat Sertan, whatever. Um, but in terms of locking down your best receiver on a week-in and week-out basis, Sauce Gardner is that guy. It's 
it's weird because he's also on the Jets, but reminds me a ton of a prime Darrell Revis, where it's yeah. just... He's not flashy, but you just know going into the game, you're like, well, our number one's screwed. Like, you could have Calvin Johnson, you're just like, well, hopefully our number two came to play today, you know, mm-hmm. every week, week in and week out for uh, for the Jets, so. Yeah, I mean, in such a staple, too, in, in division with these really good quarterbacks, right? You have to have a guy that's going to be able to break up passes and, and get turnovers. I mean, if you can get turnovers against the Bills, is really the only way to win. Because other than that, they're pretty much going to score on every drive. You they can don't punt a lot. <laughs> no. Uh, so if you can get turnovers in this division, that's good. Sauce Gardner helps a lot. Defensive player of the year. I would agree. Breakout player of the year, Josh Uche, the uh, the edge rusher for New England. Now, he had 11 and a half sacks last year, so some may argue he's kind of already broken out. It was his third year last year. But I do think he's going to break out even more. I think you're looking at a 14-15 uh, sack year for Josh. He... Really, really good bend around the edge. Um, reminds me actually a lot of who who he's playing with is Matt Judon, right? Like a little bit bigger of a frame, so it doesn't quite bend as well as like a TJ Watt. Is not quite as fast as them, uh, but the combination between the two is is fairly elite. Yeah. Um, so I think Josh Uche, 14, 15 sacks is certainly on the table. And I do think it, again, helps with Judon on the other side. You know, you can mix and match those two. Um, so teams won't have a great answer. You know, you're not going to be able to chip both of them at the same time. Yeah. If you do, you're not going to have as many out on the routes, which, you know, uh, Belichick is going to be able to counter that. So he's going to be a matchup nightmare for a lot of guys. Yeah, I 100% agree. And that is one of the biggest things that you can – that New England can hope for right now is really is solidifying the defense that and, defense. And the edge rush. Yeah. I mean, there's not much you can do on offense now, I guess. I mean, Where the receivers just aren't dynamic. Right. So having him break out there defensively is going to be huge, pivotal for the season. Coach of the year, we kind of touched on him a little bit talking about Tyreek Hill, but, but Mike McDaniels. Mike McDaniels is a stud. Yeah. Um, there's an argument in terms of just offensive minds. It's Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniels, right? Like, and, and I think you kind of saw it last year. That, were they on hard knocks? No. Well, there were a lot of games where he was mic'd up, and you can hear him talking to Tua through the headset. Like, yeah. there's a different sensibility about the offensive guys, right? Like, Bill Belichick on to Cincinnati. Like, oh, Bailey Zappi's got a chance to start. Like, Mike Daniels with a very limited quarterback and Tua, yes, accurate, you know, distributes the ball fine, but arm strength, you know, mobility, not quite there. So he, with a limited quarterback, Mike Daniels is like, we're all in. When he's putting his arms around Tua, like he gets the position and he gets offense better than almost anybody in football. Um, and I do think one of the things he's going to do this year is the the run game to go along with Tua, the, the back and forth between play action, run game. They have like three or four deep in the backfield. Like this offense has a chance to statistically be the best offensive football definitely top three i think yeah um not just the quality of the coaching but the i'd say personality that goes along with it being able to to connect with your quarterback and your entire team those mic'd up clips of mike mcdaniel are so he's funny. like he's like george is the best team in the sec or something yeah, like that yeah, he's just warm uh two is just warming up he's walking by just kind of talking trash in the headset just as a joke and he always keeps things light, keeps uh, keeps it fun. And I think that's big, too, because you see Tua make a mistake. He comes off the field, and he knows exactly what he did. He takes the blame for it. Or Mike McDaniel takes the blame for it and says, hey, man, look, that was, that was on me. Right. How many coaches are willing in the NFL to take a step back and admit that they're wrong? I would assume not too many. I will say, kind of a sidebar here, but uh... – Watching that quarterback series with Kirk Cousins and the dynamic between him and Kevin O'Connell, I thought was very similar yeah, to that the two. Cool. A younger guy, kind of understands more, more generationally similar. 
um, kind of understand each other a little bit better than say like an older guy and like a super young, like a Bill and Mac Jones, for example. Sure. Uh, even like a Tomlin and Pickett, I'm sure they're fine, but it's not quite the level of a McDaniel's, Tua, Kevin O'Connell, you know, Kirk Cousins. Um, that dynamic back and forth, it can really spark, you know, a, a good relationship and a great offense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Take us back down through. All right, MVP Josh Allen, offense player of the year Tyreek Hill, defense player of the year Sauce Gardner, breakout player of the year Josh Uche, and coach of the year Mike McDaniel's from Miami. Fantastic. Guys, on the other side of the break, sports news to start things off. My bad. And then a little discussion on Baker Mayfield and Tampa Bay. All coming up. Don't go anywhere. Let's go. Segment three. Thursday, August 24th, episode 200. And we have a pretty good third segment here for you. News to start things off. And a discussion on Baker Mayfield and Tampa Bay and what to expect there in the nfc south but guys we thank you for being with us today make sure you go check out the website theissuesports.com we got a bunch of stuff over there number one the newsletter which you need to sign up for type the email in click submit it is right there on the home page it's that easy then just go over to the email and confirm your subscription to the newsletter uh after that go check out the links to our social media as we mentioned we have so many uh show updates and a bunch of show news that will be coming out in the next couple of weeks and different stuff that we'll be doing and it's 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 a lot but if you follow the social medias you'll be able to keep up so go do that and while you're at it we have all the new merchandise in the shop mainly steelers apparel uh really good for the football season uh it will be uh, ordering is going to end around september 7th orders will ship on september 10th uh get you those uh shirts hoodies cutoffs whatever you want to order Get you everything right in time for, you know, week two, week three of the season. So, it'll be good. Yeah, should be good. Oh, let's get some news. Story number one here. Uh, the NBA has fined James Harden $100,000 for uh, that comment talking about how Daryl Morey's a liar. <laughs> um, I'll never ever play for him again, blah, 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 blah. Uh, by the way, this is when he was on some sort of tour in China. And not only did he say it, he said it twice, too. Double down. Um, <laughs> I absolutely can't stand James Harden. I hate him to his very cell from a cellular level. I dislike him. Um, I think you can't quit on three teams in 20 months um, and expect somebody to give you a contract, expect somebody to give you respect. Um, not only are you blatantly... You're just you're just not holding up your end of the bargain. You're, you're, you're blatantly playing your way out of being successful, getting paid. I, I mean, be getting out of shape and going to strip clubs and, and throwing on 30 pounds of fat before you left Houston just to get them to trade you, like, the, he deserves no respect. He shouldn't even be in the league anymore. I'm so sick. I, I mean, he is easily my least favorite person in professional sports. Um, I don't think he has any value in the NBA. I, I mean, if you're a championship contending team, why would you sign him? He's a cancer in the locker room. Uh, he's not a good player anymore. He's at best a C-plus player. Um, James Harden, awful. I'm very happy they find him. I wish it was $100 million, not 100000 but whatever. Not my problem. Yeah. Um, this gives me. This reminds me of, and we were talking about it a little bit earlier today, the Johnny Manziel documentary. Um, there's somebody that doesn't take the game seriously, it seems like. You know, you, you get to this level and you're a professional athlete, but you're just not doing the things that you need to do to be successful and try to win a championship. Uh, you don't see great athletes doing that, and I think, you know, it's it's not going to end well for him. The thing that pisses me off is that he demands respect 
from people and he gets mad when you don't respect him but he himself is the most disrespectful nba player that i have seen in my entire life it's ridiculous it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever hypocritical uh it was a lot like when aaron Rodgers was like i like to have clarity meanwhile it's like this was in green bay i think he's been very clear uh since he's gotten to new york but when he was in green bay i want clarity and he's like man may retire may not you're like dude like, what are you talking you about? You were the opposite of clarity. You make that makes no sense. James <laughs> yeah. Harden or Derek Morey's a liar. It's like, yeah, dude, you sign contracts and you don't abide by any of them. You've quit on three teams now. You're a liar too. Like yeah. and not a good one. <laughs> Story number two here. Angel Hernandez is under some pretty insane scrutiny for how bad he has been as of late. He's been bad his entire career, but especially as of late. Um I I so this is a very negative news segment, I gotta say. <laughs> I hate James Harden, um, and I do think you know nothing personally against Angel Hernandez because he hasn't. But professionally speaking, um, he has been easily the worst umpire in baseball for the last decade. Yeah, we can all agree with uh, that. For about as long as I've understood how bad he's been, he's been bad. Um, <laughs> so about a decade now. I just he's there's there's not a lot to save him. Bad behind the plate, bad in the field. Um, Tends to, tends to bark at players a little bit more than he probably should. So, yeah, Angel Hernandez, uh, not a very good umpire, and he's he's finally getting ripped for it. I just wonder how you're able to keep your job after being that bad, that consistently bad on a national scale, yeah, too. It, it, like, televised. Yes. Like, Imagine if you're bad at your job and it was televised weekly. To the entire world. To whoever can get that stream. Doesn't matter. I mean, that's... <laughs> wild to me yeah and he's that's wild he's still umpiring for some reason imagine like being in sales or something and you just you just consistently lose clients and you're just it's filmed and broadcasted yeah and your your boss is like that's yeah, fine yeah yeah he's good <laughs> it doesn't make any sense like what are we doing if, here? the umpiring in baseball has been consistently bad for the last couple of years it's getting it's worse. gone downhill for sure yeah i'll tell you what the most interesting thing is i've seen a couple of clips of like umpires invoking you know, a, an argument, and then throwing out the player for it. You're yeah, like they started the argument. There was one where it was um, it was Zach Gallon pitching for uh, for the D-backs. I think this was last year actually, or maybe early this year. Um, and he didn't agree with the call because that's not a ball. You could see him. You could read his lips because that's not a ball. And uh, and the umpire they go back and forth for like maybe you know he's like that's not a ball. And then you see the umpire say to him he's like that's not a ball. And then the umpire starts walking towards towards the pitcher. The catcher steps in front. Umpire then goes back behind the plate. Toriel Lavella, the manager for the D-backs, obviously going to defend his guy, comes out of the dugout. The minute he steps foot out of the dugout, he's tossed. How does that make any sense? <laughs> that is ridiculous. Like, I don't even, like, I don't remember which umpire it was. Umpire should be fired immediately. Like That's the, ridiculous. The umpire should be is fired the, immediately. He's the aggressor in that situation. Yeah, should be fired <laughs> immediately. That was That's ridiculous. It's not good. Uh, that was a while ago, but yeah, just a little sidetrack there. Story number three here, G, uh, Jim Harbaugh has been suspended for three games, a little self-imposed suspension from the University of Michigan. So if you guys remember, he was initially suspended four games by the NCAA, which, by the way, this doesn't make any sense to me. So now Michigan says, no, 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 guys, it's fine. We'll suspend him for three games instead. So now he only has to sit out three games. So Michigan self-imposes a three-game suspension. He was supposed to serve four. How does, like, I... Yeah. Why would why would why would every suspension not go like this? I, I don't know. NCA says, "Hey, coach, you're spending six games." And the school comes out. He goes, "All right, fine. We'll give him four games." Like what? That doesn't make any sense. That's like being, I, I don't know. You, you you rob a store and they say, "Hey, 
you're going to be in jail for 10 years. And then, like, your lawyer comes out and goes, how about we give them three? And they go, yep, you're right. You know what? Just because you guys decided, we'll let you we'll let you cut it down to three. That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get it. Um, but nonetheless, Jim Harbaugh suspended for the first three games. It's like UNLV, East Carolina, and, and some other no-name school. It's, it's not San Diego State Tech or something like that, but... Okay, so here's the thing. Michigan had proposed a four-game suspension as part of a negotiated resolution to the case, but the NCAA's Committee on Infractions reportedly declined to accept the four-game proposal. In turn, Even though they suspended it for four games. Yes. In turn, Michigan self-imposed a penalty uh, of a three-game suspension, which still could go to another hearing before the COI and take months to be resolved. If I'm Jim Harbaugh, just take the three weeks off, man. Yeah, and we already looked at this too. When we were talking, I think we talked about this three or four weeks ago, maybe. Um, I know, I know, it's UNLV in East Carolina, and, and then Rutgers. Other, it was no, Rutgers. Rutgers is week four. There's another team I forget. It's three non-conference games. Let me let's. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing that they're really going to miss out on here. I have it up right here. It just it it doesn't really matter. You know, uh, East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Bowling Green, and there Rutgers, it is. and then Rutgers is Week Four, right? Yeah. So you're not even missing a conference game. Doesn't really matter. I mean, you're you're gonna win out. Yeah, you don't. I could go coach that. the Wolverines to three wins. Like, I mean, it wouldn't matter. The amount of talent there compared to who they're playing. Yeah, there's no degree. Um, especially going into the season, pre-ranked number two, so that should be interesting as well. There's an argument that they have the best roster in college football, but uh, guys, that's it for the news. Let's transition to a little bit of a Baker Mayfield discussion. Right, so Baker's now named the starter. I didn't think he'd get another shot. Um, I I think we both agree that this is his last straw, though. Right, and we kind of talked about this this earlier uh, in hits and misses. It's And again, I, I liken it to the Trey Lance thing, where it's like, if Trey Lance can work with Kyle Shanahan, who's been very quarterback-friendly, Matt Schaub, Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo, now Brock Purdy, Mr. Relevant, they've all worked in that system, right? Um, and there's an argument that Trey Lance is more physically gifted than all of them. Um, bigger, stronger, moves a little bit better, has a bigger arm than pretty much all of them. Um, but that's why the quarterback position is not all about skill. And that brings me to Baker, where it's like, it, it, you were in Cleveland, you had a great, great, great supporting cast. Um, I think Miles Garrett's a little overrated, but still a top three to five pass rusher in football. Um, good secondary, good linebackers. At the time, coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski. Two good backs. Two, you know, the offensive line was stacked. Two good tight ends. Good wide receivers. Um, and at the end of the day, he had that one good run, but he kind of talked himself out of the starting quarterback role. And blaming the medical staff and Duke Johnson this. It's like, dude, just it's not all about your talent. He is, without a doubt, one of the 32 most talented quarterbacks. Now, I always thought he was overrated and it was a reach at one from a talent perspective. Um, he's a little bit over six foot. Not quite as mobile as I'd like. His arm's good, not special. He's accurate, not Drew accurate. But he, he's certainly one of the most talented 32 quarterbacks in football in terms of his on-field production. I don't think that's all that de- not deniable, right? I mean, look, there's guys in this league that are starting right now. Look, we don't know what Sam Howell is, but what we think he is, Baker's better than. Uh, I mean, Jacoby Brissett has started for a couple teams. But Baker's better than that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's... It's not all about that talent, and Baker Mayfield has not been able to get it done in terms of being a leader, winning, leading teams. And I do think there's an argument. You look around football, what NFL quarterbacks have gone to 
national powers, ran the table, won the national championship, and then transferred it over to being a really good starting quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, that's the list, right? Everybody goes, Wyoming, Texas Tech, going 6-6 six and six every year, getting running for your life. Uh, Big Ben, Miami of Ohio, right? Like, facing that adversity can help you. And same thing with Baker, right? You come in, dude, you don't got to worry about getting sacked. You have the best offensive line in football. <laughs> you, you got two or three really good wide receivers, two great tight ends as safety valves, two really good backs. You don't even have to throw 30 times a game, throw 22 times a game on third and one. Good defense, good coach, good scheme. So going from that to then Carolina, not as much talent. Matt Rule was kind of up in the air. He's on the hot seat, ends up getting fired. And now this leaves you in Tampa Bay. Is Tampa Bay's roster better than Cleveland's was? Not really. I mean, you could argue their top two receivers are are more high-end, but the depth isn't there. The offensive line, yes, although good, is dealing with injuries. The defense is fine. Coach is not nearly you need, you know, nearly as good defensive guy in Todd Bowles. You look at his record, he doesn't win enough football games, point blank. He's probably the leading candidate to be the first head coach fired. In terms of Vegas odds, I think he's top three. So can he now go to an unstable situation where some people actually expect them to tank, and can you get it done and win some football games? My argument would be probably no. Probably no. I think uh, early in the season... Um, they have a fairly tough schedule in the first about 10 weeks. If they're 3-7, and 4-6, and six, walls are going to come caving in a little bit. Media is going to get on them. There's a real chance that Kyle Trask starts at some point this year. Um, and we all know when, when, the, when the media comes after Baker, he tends to go right back at him. And we know that that's not good uh, as an NFL franchise quarterback. So it just I, I think there's a lot of problems here, despite the roster not actually being as bad as it may seem. Um, so we'll we'll see. I, I I don't have high expectations for this team. I think it's the last place, third place team, somewhere around there. I don't think they make the playoffs even in the weaker NFC. Um, but I am intrigued to watch Baker and watch the situation unfold. I think it's one of the only reasons I'll turn on a Tampa Bay Buccaneers game sometime this year. Yeah, uh, you touched on it right there. What's going to happen when the media comes caving in on Baker? It's going to get really really hostile. Um, he doesn't generally handle that well. He's never proved to. I don't want to say that's the only thing. There there are many things that could go wrong here and that I see going wrong here. I, I do think we will end up seeing Kyle Trask. I think you, you kind of also have to evaluate him. I mean, if Baker's not playing as he should or as you want him to, you kind of have to evaluate Trask and like what you have there at least. Because the quarterback draft coming up, I mean, I would, I would put Tampa Bay in that list of teams yeah. that needs a franchise guy. They're not going to roll with Baker or Kyle. Right. We know, we know that that Baker's not going to be their franchise guy going forward. Yes. So it would benefit them more to lose, to be quite honest with you. Um, if you know Baker's not going to be your guy, I know that NFL teams don't tank, but it's like, would you rather have a 10-7 and seven year with Baker or tank and get Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams? Like, Off the top of your head, do you know if they have like a lot of draft capital coming up? Or did they mortgage some of that for Tom Brady? I know they mortgaged some of that for Tom Brady. Let's look up Tampa Bay. Because if they don't have many picks, then that gets tough. Draft right, because that roster, we've talked about it, that roster is not horrible. So in 2024, okay, here's their future draft picks. 2024, they have first, second, third, fourth, sixth, and seventh. So they have, you know, six picks. They just don't have their fifth round pick. Okay. And then 2025, they have all seven picks. So. Okay. It's, it's yeah, no, they, I mean, they would be, it's certainly feasible for them to, 
lose enough games, use their first-round pick this year, maybe trade 2025s, move up if you have to. It's it's certainly possible. It's weird. I was thinking about this while you were talking. Baker Mayfield plays a lot like a backup. Like, Baker for a game or two is pretty decent. We saw him with the Rams late in yeah, the season. Yeah, when he came in and just inserted and they, a couple days. Right, and we know McVay is an offensive genius, but we also know that they didn't have a ton of offense. Cooper Cup was hurt. I think Van Jefferson was their number one, which he's a fine two or three. He's not a number one. No, not Offensive close. line was in shambles. Yeah. And he was able to come in and win a game win a game or two. Um, but then over the course of a season, you kind of see the flaws of Baker, you know, kind of play itself, extrapolate over the, the, the course of a season. Everything seems to snowball, yeah. Yeah, right. And it's you're right, the snowball effect. It's like, can he play for a game or two, win, maybe he loses, then goes back to the bench and it's fine? Yes. But if he starts to lose... And then he loses again, and then it just keeps going downhill. Next thing you know, he's not viable for a seventeen-game season. Yeah, it gets. It's weird quick. though because he doesn't because he doesn't have the demeanor to be a backup. He 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 sees himself as like too big of a of a name, right? kind of like Cam Newton being a backup. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah, it would never work. Like Baker, I just don't think Baker would work as a backup. But he but his play dictates that he'd be a pretty good backup. Yeah, he'd look like, at Teddy Bridgewater. He could come in and win you Teddy win th- three or four games. Taysom Hill was pretty good. Yeah, uh, you know, as a, as a backup fill-in guy. But I just don't think Baker's mentally built for that. No, uh, he would. I think just cause more problems on the bench. I would agree. He'd be a locker room issue more than he would help you. Big time liability. Yeah, I mean, he signed him for a two year contract to be a back two years. I don't know. Two years, two million. So you know, a million a year to be a because he's a fairly high end backup. Yeah. I don't know what a high end backup makes. Say a million or two a year. Uh, I mean, what's he going to start three games? Is is what he is the detriment that he may provide to your locker room worth? Say two wins out of those three games? Probably not. Plus, I mean, if you're rolling with Kyle Trask and Baker as your backup, you're probably going to end up seeing Baker at some point anyway. Because like I, I don't Kyle Trask the, is very good either. No, I don't have like the yeah. highest projections on him. So yeah. even if Baker was a backup, he would probably end up getting more playing time than we think. But you know. I think it's the right decision. I think he's a better quarterback than Yeah, Kyle Trask. it's the right decision if you want to it's, win. It's just interesting to see how it plays out. And and if so, so now say what's when's the deadline? Week ten, week nine? Uh, yeah. Week So 10. somewhere on there. What if they're what if they're two and seven? Are you gonna are you you turn it over to Trask, you deal some guys, you get some draft capital, and you just hope to get one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the draft next year. Just kinda of play it by ear. I mean, I don't think you're gonna like win anything big though. Like you're you're not I guess that division, and when we predicted that division, if you can win nine games, ten games, you're winning the division. But, but my yeah, yes. But if you're two and seven, it's a lot easier to say, guys, let's reboot this thing. You know, yeah. like let's 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 trade Evans or Godwin. But hey, if you're six let's and four trade. and you only need to win four more games the back half of the season to to make it's very hard to tell an NFL franchise. I know you've won five games out of your first seven or eight, but we're gonna reboot this thing anyway. No, like, that would never fly. Right, and especially in that division where it's like. Oh man, we could actually make the playoffs. Even if you don't think for the next five years that's the best thing for your franchise, you're not going to be able to convince an NFL franchise that when they're within striking distance of the playoffs, to reboot it and tank it. It's not, it's never going to work. Yeah, right. Yeah, I agree, uh, guys. That's all we have to talk about today. So make sure you are going to theissuesports.com, checking out all the merch, subscribing to the newsletter. Following all the social medias and uh, following, subscribing, wherever you watch and listen to the show. We really appreciate it. We'll catch you here next Thursday talking about a little predicted playoff teams, a little uh, predicted playoff picture. It's going to be real good. Guys, you're not going to want to miss it. We'll see you next week. And that was The Issue.